Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I think we're going to we're going to begin. And yeah. I know most of the people around the room, but for those I don't know, I'm Denise Leavesley, the, the principal here at Green Templeton College. Um, it's my enormous pleasure to be introducing uh, Jill Matheson to you this afternoon and to be chairing this session. I think you all know that last year the BBC commissioned a review of the impartiality of the BBC's reporting of statistics and its news and current affairs output. And the review was published a few months ago in August. Um, and the Trust commissioned an expert panel that was chaired by Dame Jill Matheson to lead the review. Now, one of the reasons why it's an enormous pleasure for me is because of my personal interest in trust in statistics, but also because Jill and I worked together many years ago in our youth. <laughs> um, we both worked at something called the Office of Population Censuses and Surveys um, that subsequently became the Office for National Statistics, or merged into becoming the uh, Office for National Statistics. So uh, Jill joined OPCS, as it was known, in 1975. And she worked on a whole series of, of the government surveys at that time, and then worked, I think, on the major initiative on neighborhood <coughs> statistics. And subsequently, when it became the Office for National Statistics, she was the director of the Census Demographic and Re Regional Statistics and then moved on to be Director General for Statistics Delivery. And then in uh, 2009, September 2009, she became the National Statistician and um, was National Statistician and Chief Executive of the UK Statistics Authority um, for about five years. Um, and she was appointed Dame Commander of the Order of Bath in the 2014 Birthday Honours for services to government statistics. Um, it's an enormous pleasure for me to, to welcome uh, Jill here to Green Templeton College. And do, do that. <laughs> um, and we look forward to hearing her. I think after she's, uh, she's given her presentation, there will be plenty of time for discussion. So yes, please welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Denise. It's, uh, it's a great pleasure to be here um, with uh, an old friend <laughs> um, and talking about uh, not statistics. I'm not going to talk statistics, so don't worry, there's no maths. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about one of the things that actually drove me throughout my career, um, which was about how statistics can give real insight into what's happening in the world around us. But to do that, of course, we, um, as statisticians, um, are often dependent on the media. So I'd had uh, to, to help tell those stories and give those insights. So it was a great privilege for me um, when in 2015 the BBC Trust invited me to chair a panel carrying out what they call an impartiality review of statistics at the BBC. Um, as Denise said, the report was published in August. Since then, um, I've it's 
it's been fascinating just the variety of audiences that I've been invited to speak to. Um, so journalists, of course, and my normal audience, statisticians and researchers, but also senior civil servants, and most recently parliamentarians, groups, uh, people from the House of Lords and MPs, because all of them can see something in this. Um, and one of the, again, I'll say right at the outset, that I will describe the review, what we were asked to do, and I'll go through some of the key re recommendations, not in detail, and I'll give some examples to tell the story of what's behind those recommendations, um, plenty of time for, for question and discussion. But it's worth emphasising that the, the field work, as it, like, if, you, if you will, the research process, actually happened over last winter. Um, and we had a draft of our report and our recommendations in May this year. And since then, of course, we've had various political events in different parts of the world, um, particularly the EU referendum here in the UK, and more recently, the US presidential election, none of which we looked at in terms of the coverage, how did the BBC cover those events, but both of which have enabled us to test our thinking and our recommendations in the light of those, those um, events. And I have to say that we wouldn't change a word of it, except to make some of the recommendations even stronger. Um, so that's the, the lens that, that I'll come to on this. Um, just a word about the panel. Um, uh, you, you probably don't know these people. Um, the panel, Paul Johnson, who is the director of the Institute for Fis Fiscal Studies. He's an economist and probably the IFS is the best known UK independent think tank research analytical organisation on the economy and on household finances. David Spiegelhalter, who is president-elect of the Royal Statistical Society, um, and is Professor of the Public Understanding of Risk at Cambridge. And because, as with any group of professionals, Paul, David and I all knew each other and have done for a long time, and you tend to speak in the same way, we wanted somebody who would really challenge us, that didn't come from our world, and so um, we asked Peter Stoddart, who for 10 years was editor of The Times, and up until this year of The Times Literary Supplement, who, when I first met him, said, I don't know anything about statistics. And I said, in that case, you were the editor of one of the world's great newspapers making judgments every single day about what stories to run and how to run them. And you're telling me you don't do statistics, you're the man I want. Um, so uh, you know, a breadth of interest and experience there. Just formally, um, why the review? 
the very first question when I was contacted and invited to do it, I said, well, why? Why, why, why do you want to do the review? Um, and the answer was, well, because it matters. Now, you know, I could have given that answer, but the fact that the BBC Trust itself was giving that answer uh, in the context of huge amounts of data that are available, um, huge numbers of stories <coughs> that contain numbers, um, and huge um, investments in some places in this thing called data journalism. Now, how is the BBC performing in its use and presentation of statistics? Um, these were the formal uh, terms of reference. I'm not going to go through them. I put them up because they are the formal ones. Highlighted these phrases that appear. Due impartiality, I'm sure we'll come back to that. Accuracy, duly accurate and impartial, as opposed to due impartiality and accuracy. <laughs> but um, accessible critical analysis. And the core of this is... Does the use of statistics and the presentation of statistics help audiences understand the issues? And that, in, a sense, in, in the end, was the test that, as a panel, we applied to the evidence that we gathered. The evidence was a call to the public, anybody who wanted to write to us, lots of organisations did, um, some content analysis of BBC output, radio, TV, online, national and uh, uh, local, carried out by the uh, School of Journalism at Cardiff University, and some audience research carried out by um, a, a Oxygen brand consulting, so focus groups around the country, actually talking to audiences. Um, and in the end, that was the test. Um, I give you just the key recommendations, not all of them. If you, this is available online, it's all published, so is the Cardiff analysis, so is the audience research, so if you want to um, read it, you, you can. Um, but I'm going to give you these um, and talk through and give some examples. And the reason I'm using this is this slide is one I've used with all the audiences I've spoken to. Um, so one of the things that became apparent fairly early is that politicians wanted to know, so are interviewers going to treat us any differently in the future? To which my answer to the parliamentarians was, yes, I hope so. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll go through how I think that, that might change. But one of the things that um, if we all thought as a panel that it was important to say was two things. One was that the BBC is special. Um, and we say that not because they think they're special, although they do. Um, it's because audiences think the BBC is special and we agreed with them. Um, and the reason that um, people were giving was that actually audiences are very sophisticated. They know that broadsheet newspapers have agendas. Um, they know that most uh, news organisations have agendas, political campaigning, whatever it is. Where do they go when they're looking to find out 
what is the balance of evidence on an issue? And it's still, more than any, anywhere else, it's still the BBC. It's not as much as it used to be, but it's still the BBC. Um, and actually, we also thought it was important to say the BBC does a lot of things really well in the field of statistics. Um, and we said that not because we wanted to flatter them, but because it highlighted just how frustrated we were that they didn't do more things well. In other words, it can be done. So some of the discussions, we spoke to over 100 um, journalists and programme makers within the BBC. And one of the things a lot of them told us was, well, we've got no resources, we've been cut, we don't have time. Actually, I don't accept that. Um, and what's more, some of their colleagues don't accept it either. Um, and that's why we've highlighted in the report that there are, um, there are um, some exceptionally good uses of stats and it can be done. It's more about um, an approach and a mindset, which I will go on to. So the word we used as a part, we were really frustrated, frustrated that um, somehow the critical thinking that a lot of journalists were bringing to other kinds of stories went out the window when it came to something with numbers in it. And in fact, um, my panel and I, I mentioned that uh, one of the panel members is, a, is a, an expert in, the, in risk and risk understanding. We almost started taking bets on how long it would be in an interview before the C word, confidence, came up. Um, so just a lack, of, a lack of confidence in dealing with, with numbers. Um, and again, I'll say a little bit more about that. Um, the core of this is that the BBC, more than any other British um, broadcaster newspaper, depends on government for its sources of stories. That was something that the content analysis by Cardiff University showed quite clearly. So all the analysis they did over last winter, the BBC um, it depends a lot on government. Um, that puts a real onus on them, not just to accept what government is saying. It puts a real onus on them not to go with what we call the dominant narrative. That they need to really go beyond the headlines. So if government puts out a press notice or a press release with a story in it, the first question you might think, you know, I'm a cynic. The first question I want to know is, why are they telling me that? Why are they telling me now? And what are they not telling me? And those seem to me to be the basic kinds of non-mathematical questions that most statisticians I know would be asking. And they would be going down below the, the headlines to try and um, unpick. I'll give an example of that. One that I think was very, very relevant during the EU referendum debate and again in the US that we used in the report is every month the BBC faithfully and accurately 
as do many other um, broadcasters, headlines. What's happening to GDP, growth domestic product? The economy is growing, <coughs> or the economy has grown by a certain amount. They always report that accurately based on the official statistics. What they very, very rarely do, and should do much more, is go beyond that and say, so what does that actually mean about GDP per head? When you've got the population growing, then it would be quite remarkable if GDP didn't grow. Um, so what's happening at GDP per head? Even more importantly, what's happening to people's incomes? at different parts of the um, income distribution. So there is this growth that most people can't understand <clears throat> what that's measuring. How does that translate into the lives that people live in ways that they can experience? Now, that strikes me as an area where um, statisticians, researchers, and journalists have a common interest in telling those stories. They surprisingly often don't get told. Um, the second one is about giving audiences the context they need, and I'll give an example of that. Challenging statistics used by others. By others, I mean MPs, ministers, but not only them. I also mean um, campaigners, charities, um, anybody who is trying to grab a bit of BBC airtime, and to do so... Um, are often using numbers, they should be expected to be challenged on those numbers. Again, doesn't happen often enough. And then the final one um, is really, really important, really important. Um, the phrase, be better and braver in interpreting statistics for audiences is one that the, uh, the, the BBC, um, in fact, all of these recommendations, they have accepted. Um, so we can think about what might that look like. There are another few less high-level recommendations. Reality Check is a, a fact-checking service that the BBC had and operated during the referendum about Scottish independence, operated during the EU referendum, operated during the general election last year, but didn't operate at other times. It seemed to me um, to be a bit odd to say that we need to fact check what, um, what people are saying at those times, but the rest of the time we didn't bother. Um, so we recommended that that should become permanent. Um, and then some very specific examples about how to present numbers in ways that audiences can understand. Um, and underpinning all of this is the issue of capacity, capability and guidance. I was surprised, perhaps I shouldn't have been, I was amazed to find that the BBC has no internal statistical capacity. I don't know any other organisation of that size, of a comparable size, that doesn't. Um, whether it's interpreting in the private sector, interpreting your markets, in, interpreting and collecting data about um, your business, um, or um, academic, or whatever. But one of the questions we ask people in the BBC is, you know, if you're dealing with a story where there is a press notice, that uses numbers and you're not sure about them, where would you go? 
who would you go to to ask? And people said, oh, mm, I think, well, mm, I think I know somebody in Birmingham or Manchester or wherever who might know something about it. But actually, they didn't know. There wasn't, there was no central place for them to go. Um, and nor was there any explicit guidance. Um, there was some very limited, although brilliant, training. I did go and sit in on a session um, in Manchester that young journalists, graduate journalists, some um, were invited to, and it was absolutely brilliant. So again, it can be done. It's just that it's not available to most. So, just, um, I, I not expect you to know this, this, the stories behind these examples. Just wanted to illustrate some of these points with some examples. And the first one about going beyond the headlines is an example of uh, both the good and the bad. This story, um, August 2015, I said that um, it was over last autumn, summer, autumn, winter. Um, this was the BBC main television news at six o'clock. Like everybody else, it headlined official figures that had come out that day on net migration to the UK. That is the difference between the number of people leaving the UK and the number of people coming to reside in the UK was 330,000. Um, that was what was on everybody's TV screens. It was accurate. No, no question. Looks like a big number. Net migration, uh, 330,000. That was where most other broadcasters and newspapers left it. The BBC did better than that. Um, what it did was it then went on, same news story, um, and talked about, so where are these people coming from? And what do they do when they're here? What are they coming for? And this was the voiceover from the journalist. And it finished, you can't see, uh, the label isn't there, but the red chunk, tiny little slider on the right-hand side is asylum seekers. Okay? So 4% asylum seekers. Audiences loved this, and so did we. And the reason they loved it is because August 2015, for weeks, the TV screens had been full of images of refugees in boats in the Mediterranean. And that was what the main story had been. And that was the context in which the, the headline number of 330,000 um, was understood. And um, the BBC, so audience was, was saying, right, okay, actually, um, they now understood the context uh, in a way that they hadn't, and they wouldn't have done if they'd watched other broadcasts. However, it's not all good news. Um, so that was something they did. Another example, not so good, again, um, just a bit of background. Earlier, the, or last year, um, and into this year, a dispute between the government and junior hospital doctors. 
Um, and that led to the first ever 24-hour strike by hospital doctors in the National Health Service. And this was breakfast TV news, six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, on the day of the first ever strike. Okay. So what's wrong with that, you might ask? Why was I jumping up and down? Not at six o'clock in the morning, but by seven o'clock in the morning. Why was I getting agitated? Well, the first question was, well, how do they know? Well, actually, it was because the Department of Health, the government, had issued a press notice that morning saying 3,000 operations cancelled. Um, so you know, my contacts at the BBC saying, so what's, you know, what's your problem? Do you say that the government isn't... Is, and I, no, no, I've no, no basis for saying that's not right. Um, however, there is a sing, simple follow-up question I want to know. How many went ahead? Simple question. So 3,000, again, on the screen, looks huge. How many operations went ahead on the day of the strike? And the answer was 94% went ahead. Suddenly, a completely different story. No maths, but just, again, asking, that delving. Um, and to be fair, by, I think, 9 o'clock in the morning, they were reporting that 3,000 operations had been cancelled, but 94% of operations went ahead as planned. But that's a very different picture. What I also wanted them to do, which they didn't get that far, is say, well, how does that compare with an average day in the NHS and the life of it? Isn't there a really interesting story there about um, a number of operations that get cancelled on a typical day in the NHS? We didn't get that there. But just by um, delving, going beyond the headlines, then a new story could emerge. Another example, um, this is a quote from Cardiff University um, and their finding, um, which is about what, what we called statistical tit-for-tat, which we hear far too much of. And I'll give a couple of examples. Again, the first one, is the same story about the dispute between the government. Here is the minister responsible for, for health. Here is a junior doctor. Um, and uh, the, the uh, minister said, November last year, repeatedly, repeatedly, junior doctors will not be worse off as a result of the contract that um, we want them to sign. Okay. Um, junior doctor saying, oh, yes, we will. No, you won't. Yes, we will. No, you won't. Yes, we will. Who are you going to believe? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But the data were there. But nobody at the BBC actually intervened. None of the journalists intervened to try and either referee or um, interpret the data behind the claims. 
They did online later, and there was some very good stuff. Um, but that kind of um, example is really frustrating for audiences. It's really frustrating for people like me. This is where we go wild. Because we know that there is data there. We know that audiences can be informed, not to take sides in the dispute, but to understand the issues underpinning it. Nobody was bothering to do it. I've got other examples like that that um, we could um, come back to um, if you want to pick up on that. I mentioned some of the other, this is a bit random. Um, this was about presenting risk. Um, this was something on the website. This is what it looked like. Um, what's wrong with that, they said. This comes from an authoritative peer-reviewed journal. It must be right. British Medical Journal. They even say what the source was. Um, my problem is, I have no idea whether to give up my glass of wine in the evening or not. Um, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but should I? Um, because it doesn't tell me what the risk is. Is this a tiny, tiny, tiny risk that even increasing it, even doubling it, it still makes it tiny or not? And there is an awful lot that is actually could be portrayed, if I was feeling unkind, as scaremongering. Um, and there have been other examples in the past where, you know, it's not difficult to get it right. It's just a question of putting yourself in the position of somebody reading this um, and saying, what more information um, can we give? Another thing that goes wrong all the time this was this time last year, um, a report on the government spending review. Uh, you'll have seen it last week here as well, the report on the autumn spending review. Absolutely typical and virtually useless. Not because the numbers are wrong, they're not. Um, but putting £6.4 billion in new taxes and £3.7 billion in universal credit, it's a, a benefit in effect, cuts. How do you interpret that? People cannot interpret big numbers like that. People cannot tell the difference between... Um, if, you put, if they put £6.4 <coughs> there, or trillion then actually people still wouldn't really have, have, have been able to interpret it. You've got to help them. You've got to inter interpret it, either in terms of a share of um, taxes already collected. Is that a big proportion or a small proportion? Um, or in terms of um, households or per head of the population. Just give people a bit of, a bit of help. Um, that often goes wrong. There are, again, there are lots of examples of things that, like that, which um, just a bit of thinking, perhaps a calculator um, at your side um, can, can help enormously and can end up telling a very different story. 
Um, finally, um, I want to show you these. Do you know about these? These are the BBC's own 10 golden rules, and I can see David even didn't recognise them. That's because I found them somewhere in a basement <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the BBC, but they're not widely promulgated. They are now because we've published them. These were the BBC's own 10 golden rules for journalists on the things to do if you are presenting statistics. Again, I'm very happy to um, talk you through this. I wasn't going to go through them all. Um, what I would do is say that I have shown senior civil servants these 10 golden rules and said, OK, so if you are hoping to get your stuff reported, not, not just the BBC, I was looking at the BBC, but you know, these apply more generally, then um, you might anticipate these and make sure that you are covering some of these in what you say or that you can expect to be challenged on them. One of the ones Denise will probably recognise. Number two, too good to be true. Because one of the things as statisticians we say to our staff is if something looks like a huge change, then it may be an error. So the first thing you do is don't latch onto it. If it looks like it's too good to be true, it could well be too good to be true. So check, double check, triple check. Um, the checking your source and looking at the methodology. Again, this is not about turning you into uh, mathematicians. It's the kind of basic questions that I asked right at the beginning. Who's telling me this? How did they do it? Why did they do it? What else is there? in the public domain. Is this stuff in the public domain? If not, all right, okay, should we be reporting it at all? Um, how big is it? Just because it's a number doesn't give you any sense of scale. Um, so those kinds of basic, basic questions. So compare like with like, amazing how often that doesn't happen. I heard an amazing um, argument on the radio um, last winter about between a minister and a campaigner. And it was about whether public expenditure, this happened to be for, for those of you who will remember this, on flood defences. Has public expenditure on flood defences in the UK gone up or hasn't it? And the minister said, yes, it has. And the campaigner said, no, it hasn't. And actually, they were both right. But you'd never have known that unless you looked at the data. They were both right because what they were doing, both of them, was cherry-picking the periods over which they were comparing their answers. So the minister was saying, yes, it has, because between, I don't know, whatever year it was that he chose and another year that he chose, it had gone up. The campaigner was saying, no, it hasn't, because she was choosing a different time period. Basic stuff, basic stuff. But the interviewer wasn't brief, didn't know, and it ended up in a very unedifying, uninformative um, argument, which, again, audiences not having a clue who to believe. Um, 
the other one that I'll just mention um, is don't don't exaggerate. What that means is there is a tendency, which I'm sure um, you would never do. There is a tendency to say something could be as much as. So pick the extreme, pick the outlier. Well, it might be technically true, but actually. Um, it's, uh, it, it's, 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 it's not very helpful. Or the one that, uh, again, drives me wild. We hear it. A record number of people in employment. We hear, hear that. Um, every, whenever. Yeah. There are a record number of people in employment and a minister comes on and says, isn't this brilliant? The government has got a record number of people in employment. Well, there are more people of working age. Um, so all you need to do is calculate it as a rate or percentage of the working age population. And again, you may or may not get a different story, but it's a basic test to do. Um, I added, when I was talking to the BBC, a number 11. Um, which they, it's not a nice round number, I know. 10 golden rules sounds good. Um, I asked, I added number 11, um, which was too often people didn't know where to go. And the BBC has said that it is going to establish a head of statistics and some um, capability within the organisation so that anybody anywhere in the BBC who is putting a programme together or putting a piece together knows where to go to just ask. Um, it doesn't have to be internally you can all make friends with the statistician we're quite friendly really <laughs> um, sometimes um, mostly they are only too delighted to be to be asked um, so do that's it great thank you very much